Welcome to Ladies Get Action, the podcast where two best friends talk about getting action movies. This is Rebecca Ringley. This is Rin Olson. And this week we watched Six Underground. Yeah, we did. It's a Netflix <laughs> movie <laughs> from this year starring Ryan Reynolds and a whole bunch of people I didn't recognize. And it's definitely an action movie. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, before <laughs> we get into it, Rebecca, how, how's your week been? It's been good. It's been very eventful. Emily got a haircut, which is very cute and exciting. And I got my nails done and just get like gearing up for, you know, travel and all kinds of exciting stuff. But it's been a good week. Nothing too crazy. I cleaned my apartment. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was putting it off for a while and it just felt really good to get everything done and roasted some vegetables and like, yeah, so it's been a really quiet weekend. How about you? been good my cousins are back in town this is their hometown and so I'm you know where I'm for the next three months or so I'm sort of just visiting but it was fun my cousin came home and we went cross-country skiing which was just like I haven't been skiing in probably a decade but I still have my old high school cross-country ski team jacket so I like broke that out it was the kind of morning where you where you like look up brochure, brochures, you look up online of people cross country skiing, and that's what it looked like. It was like gloriously blue, and the pine trees were so pretty, and it was perfectly groomed. And I am delightfully out of shape for cross country skiing. Well, it seems like an incredibly difficult athletic like task. So I don't know if you could it, ever be like in shape for that unless that's what you're doing every day. Right. And I used to do that every day. And so anytime I go back and I'm like, oh, I haven't done this in a very long time. Um, it's just, I mean, it's still super fun, but it just requires a lot of different muscle groups and endurance working together that my body was just kind of like, hmm, we haven't done this in a while. <laughs> and then I, then I also got terrible blisters on the back of my oh, feet. Oh no. So yeah, but it was totally worth it. It was really, really fun. And then I got to see um, my other cousin, who's his older sister, and um, her son, too, at family dinner. And that was, yeah, that was a great time. And we just got to catch up on, like, movies and TV shows we're watching. And, like, you know, oh, Matilda is coming out. Or, like, um, we talked about The Witcher. We talked about a lot of movies. But that was really, really fun. And then today I, I trundled off to one of my favorite yoga teacher's classes. Went out to brunch with my aunt and uncle. And yeah, I've kind of been doing laundry and prepping for going back to Alaska. Nice. During this day, I watched Six Underground. <laughs> During <So>, this day? <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I watched it today, but I think let's just get into it. Rebecca, how did you feel about this movie? Oh boy. I wrote like six or seven pages of notes. I had so many thoughts and feelings. I don't really even know where to start, but... My biggest problem with this movie was that for over half of it, I was really sure, like so sure and so angry and so confused that this was a supernatural movie about people who were actually ghosts <laughs> and it was being told poorly all over my notes. It's like, this should be a metaphor. They should just do this as a metaphor instead of something literal because I haven't explained any fucking rules. And I was so angry. And then I realized, you know, the last third of the film, like, oh, it is a metaphor. But wait, that doesn't even make sense with this and this and this and this part. I wrote down all my reasons it was supernatural and all my reasons it wasn't supernatural. And man, it really fucked the whole movie for me. And I also really didn't like it regardless. But the ghost issue was my biggest <laughs> issue. And I have so much to say about it. 
whether these people are undead or just idiots. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you guys say. <laughs> oh, I do you want me to share my thoughts? Of course. Yeah. I oh, mean, okay. Yeah. What do you um, think? I started this movie and I thought, even just from like the, the poster, I thought I'm going to really like it. And this movie, uh, for the first two thirds of the movie, I could not figure out what was going on. Uh-huh. I, there were all, all these weird time jumps and I couldn't figure oh, out yeah. like, the pacing was weird. I did get that they weren't actual ghosts. No, <laughs> my aunt, but my aunt and kept talking was... about the living and the dead. We're the dead and they're the living. We could do things <laughs> the living can't do. Like it was, <laughs> they made it literal. This movie was so stupid and it made me, yeah, so angry in parts. And it wasn't even stupid with like a fun capital S. It was like, oh, oh so man. Boring and long and It was hard. so boring. And my my aunt came in at one point or looked up and was like, oh, are they ghosts? Or like, are they real ghosts? I didn't get Ryan Reynolds' weird voiceovers. Also, I think one of the first movies we covered was Red Notice with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that was our first movie. Yeah. I'm going to just say it again. I don't think he's an action movie star and I don't want to see him as such. (laughs) Here playing a tech billionaire. The movie couldn't figure out whether it wanted to be like, so basically like Ryan Reynolds did like very quick. Ryan Reynolds is a tech billionaire who collects all these operatives to like run this mission to do the things that the living can't do because they all pretend to be dead. Because they're undead. (laughs) But- they're all idiots, like you said, because they've never actually done a real mission before. Oh, no. I mean, this film is so all over the place. So insane with all the flashbacks. I mean, one point, I'm like, holy shit, are we still in the first flashback? It was like 25 minutes into the movie, and we're only in flashback. We haven't seen anything except for Ryan Reynolds essentially dying, which is the first thing we see is that he's going to crash and die, which is why I'm like, he's definitely 100% dead because we don't see him surviving it at all. And then we see... He explains, do you know what happens after you die? I do, because I'm dead. I'm like, okay, so he's a ghost. So this is a ghost story. And then we go to the past to see how everyone died. Great. But we're like 40 minutes in and we've seen how like three of them die. And we see the one attending his own funeral. Mm-hmm. And then we see the other guy going, oh, when I attended my own funeral, it was like this. I'm like, okay, so they're all undead ghosts. But other people can see them. <laughs> but they can be shot at and they have a fear of their own mortality. So I was really disturbed by that. And like, why do they care? Because they're already dead. And then they do a whole thing. All right, here are all my points why it's supernatural, right? Okay, okay. I've listed several. Another one is they're sitting at that table and they're all talking about how they're all dead. And they're introducing the new vet and they're like, you're dead too. Remember at your funeral? You're dead. And he's like, great. And then they're like, it's not so bad being dead people. And the the hairy guy is like, yeah, you can eat whatever you want. And they're like, but you're not dead. He's like, oops. So I'm like, oh, okay, he's alive and the rest of them are dead because they can eat whatever they want. And then Ryan Reynolds makes a point to say, we're all going to die again, except for her, except for the blonde one. And we never know why. So I thought she was a special kind of ghost that couldn't be killed twice. And like, are they all going to die a second time? Why can everyone see them? What are their powers? He's playing with magnets and shit and like doing powers kinds of things. And like this movie is doing such a bad job at explaining them being real life ghosts. Those are all really good points. I got that they were like, because there seems to be a theme in action movies, especially the ones we've watched recently, where it's like, they're the gray men. And I got that they were like gray men. Yeah. I just don't want to, I don't want to, you know, run over with my own dialogue, like your, your great points about these ghosts. <laughs> no, I mean, it's I coming in my case. Yeah. I want to know what you think. 
I mean, here are the issues if they're not ghosts. Okay. Those are the mm-hmm. reasons why they are ghosts. Gotcha. Here's why they can't be not ghosts. Your honor, the defendant is now taking the stand. That's right. Okay. There's facial recognition technology everywhere they're going, especially in Las Vegas. Now, this billionaire, this dead billionaire, Ryan Reynolds, when we see that he says he's a billionaire in the beginning, we see some clips of him speaking to children, speaking at a college, explaining his magnet bullshit. He's a known figure. He says like, oh, you know, I'm not like as big as like Elon Musk. You probably haven't heard me, but he's speaking at conferences. He's speaking to students. He's publishing things. He has patents. So the world knows he's alive. They know that he's a billionaire in the tech world. He, Some people know him. Did he fake his own death and then walks around with his same face with no disguise at all on in front of these cameras? Or is he actually dead and no one can see him? Or did he just go missing and not fake his own death formally? But in that case, where are all the people who's on his payroll, cleans his house, his own mother? Why aren't they searching for him? Either yeah. he faked his own death with a funeral and the whole world is like, huh, that guy looks a lot like the tech billionaire who died, but I guess he's not. And I guess he owns a, has a bank account at this bank in a safe deposit box that he plans to leave money to someone else. When you're dead, they already take care of that. They take your money away from you because you've already put it in your will or the government takes it. So how does he have money to distribute to anyone if he's actually faked his own death? If he's run away and he's gone missing, people would care. Because he's a public figure with billions. Billions of dollars don't go missing. Someone would be looking for the money. I mean, the fact that somebody would go looking for the money would be like another action movie in and of itself. He's spending the money. (laughs) On whose credit card is he spending the money? Certainly his own. Yeah, we never get his backstory or see his death. We see his death. We see him go up in the plane because he's obsessed with that bartender girl. He's got her little pictures in his stupid little plane. And he drives it up and then the engines go out and then it falls. Okay, but but I had a question about that because he meets the bartender girl when he's already on the mission, right? Yeah. I don't know. This is where my brain got scrambled. I didn't understand what was happening. No, maybe he met the bartender. I think this is it. I think he met the bartender girl while he was just at a bar, not on the mission, happens to run into the dictator of whatever Stan and is like, oh, that guy seems like a jerk. And then decides to run this mission later. I don't understand why he couldn't be with the bartender. I don't understand why he went to kill himself over the bartender. I thought that was happening after he'd been already declared dead. No, he said, this is how I die. But then he said like, but I'm not, but I'm familiar with that. I've already died before. Yeah, exactly. Like a ghost. So he's already faked his own death somehow. Because the part where he runs No, he faked his own death in the plane. That was his, that was him or dying or he actually dies. But he's already on the mission when he runs into the bartender girl. No, but I don't think he is. That's what I'm saying. I think that was before the mission. Because by the time he's running the mission, his child with that bartender is already like two or three. Okay. Okay. I think he went to a fancy party, met this hot bartender, happened to be standing next to a dictator, and got the idea to kill that dictator later. Okay. Because that was a really very well thought out speech of like the fifth act. That's when people really get it. Um, and I sort of thought he was already on the mission and was like just trying to like explain that to the dictator. Oh, listen, I understand exactly why it was confusing because they constantly went back and forth <laughs> in time and never made any yeah. sense. But no, I think that's the only way it makes sense for him to have a three-year-old kid. Yeah. And the fact that he didn't do anything with the, the dictator in that scene at all. Okay. Well, that's one of very like many, many time hops where, where I got, I could not keep track. And 
Um, so I wrote down all of our numbers from the beginning. Would you like to hear? We have. Oh, sorry. My one last ghost problem. Speaking of the oh, okay. numbers is why don't we see the driver? We see him get killed. Why isn't he at the table? I'm like, oh, maybe he died in a certain way where he doesn't get to come back. Or maybe he's going to come back in the third act of the film and be like, surprise, I'm back too. I mean, it was Dave Franco. So you would think that like he'd want a bigger role, but I did think (laughs) I wasn't 100% sure. I'm like, oh, that's so weird. We're going to see all of them die. I'm like, this is the dumbest supernatural movie I've ever seen. Like I was 100% certain and angry about it. (laughs) I was just confused. I like several parts in the movie. I was like, am I watching this out of order? Did something happen where like scrambled the edit of this and got getting this in pieces? Because it made no sense until like the last fourth maybe maybe well especially the first you know 25 30 minutes makes no sense at all yeah and we're watching the world's longest car chase with people we don't know who's chasing them or why we don't know anybody who's in the team or why we should care about them at all even though they only give the men backstories did you notice that the women don't get any backstories well our camille girl gets one sort of the the cia girl the doctor doesn't. doesn't We don't get her backstory. We only get the moment where she handles the transfer right. of the dictator's brother. Yeah. We don't get the doctor at all. No, no, we don't get either of their backstories. We only get the Skywalker man, the bearded hairy guy. I did like the line where, the, where, where they finally like reveal all their names. And the Skywalker guy is like, I'm Billy. And Corey Hawkins goes, you look like a Billy. And I was like, yeah, you do. Yeah. I wrote uh, during the first 25 minutes that were so incomprehensible and, and also like had no stakes. Like we're watching gross death, watching blood squirting yeah. and squirt squirting noises. It was really gross. What this movie felt like to me was that it was an intended audience of either 14 year old boys hyped up on sugar or 40 year old men hyped up on Coke. Yeah, I know. I felt like that. I mean, the violence was really like visceral and gross like there's a lot of gross out stuff the dangling eyeball you know all kinds of yucky stuff but I wrote in my notes here I totally forgot this was a ghost movie because they spent so much time dealing with the non-ghost stuff before the ghosts you know mm-hmm. and I was so angry when they ever actually established rules for the ghosts and then I realized they're not fucking ghosts no well the movie also didn't it would have been better if it had been fully action comedy about this group of like well-meaning but very off operatives who are bad at their jobs oh yeah because the driver kills 100 civilians yeah yeah he keeps running over people with his car i know and it was done in such a way that i i was like is this supposed to be funny well then then there's a part where he's like killed so many people and they're like going around a roundabout and they're like wait a baby and they go wait puppies like oh this is supposed to be funny i guess because that was supposed to be a joke i think and then there were also like major issues with that first chase scene too, where did you notice there's a whole moment where, cause he's in this hideous green car. It looks like the green cabs used to be up in our neighborhood mm-hmm. and this bus slides by them taking off like the paint of the car and the side view mirror. Well, yep. not two seconds later, do we see the shot of the car with both side view mirrors on the rest yeah. of the film? They had both side view mirrors. Like there's a bunch of stuff like that. It's sloppy. I also hated the uh, the title cards on the screen. Okay, so we have to talk about the music in this. Oh, God. The music in this felt like the interludes of, like, the reality TV shows, like a Bravo TV show or, like, a Selling Sunset, you know? And it's like, we're going to take this town. Oh, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like, where it's, like, the most random part. 
And I appreciated like there was one glimmer of hope where also I, I want to talk about how gross the like the coup. Oh, that was horrible. Was. That was like it was gross on like um just a, a lot of levels, but also like the implication of like oh, what they did that they... country. Yeah, yeah. The the children we saw dead in the street, and they're so like blasé about it. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking because they're dead. Again, <laughs> what's wrong? Yeah, they're just assholes. Well, you know what this movie shares a lot in common with Old Guard. Yep, the other movie about undead people <laughs> doing a vigilante mission, which is exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Except for they didn't make them undead. It just felt really, there have been so, like, you know, so many revolutions in the past however many years where it felt really gross to be like, this group of people is like, is leading the people to, I, I can't explain why I hated it so much, but like having it set to that obnoxious music and like, it was supposed to be, it was one of like the three movies that this movie wanted to be. We had the old guard, mm-hmm. we had the action Ryan Reynolds movie, and then we had the Michael Bay movie. That's yeah. those are the three movies. And this part felt like it wanted to be old guard inspirational, but like flavored by Michael Bay, who it just was gross. It was so sick to watch. It um, was. both on, on a political level and on like a just visceral level. I agree. Yeah, it was horrible to watch and really wrong. <laughs> it just felt really wrong. And it also felt like, oh wow, like to get to a point where you think this is okay to put in your movie, like you really like dumbed down something that's very complicated to be a part of this dumb movie for fun and so I just, I just like that that was irresponsible too yeah I felt like it was so irresponsible and also just so much of it was unneeded but I think you mm-hmm. just said it best where it was like this is really complicated and you have to handle it in a way that makes sense and like obviously I never fault the actors for no. you know, taking a job because you can never tell what a movie's going to be like at the end but it's like that's gross Michael Bay did you notice the part and love the part like I did where after there's been this horrible bombing, we see all these kids die and people die. Ryan Reynolds sees a little girl holding a dead child's hand and then holding her mother's hand next to her or an older woman who she's touching. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so what does Ryan Reynolds do? He walks by, scoops the girl up away from her mother and comforts her and like hugs her. This strange child he does not know, whose mom is alive and right there, who is mourning a dead child, he just picks her up and holds her like, oh, now I am, I am saving you. Yeah. Like he I, took her away from her parent. I know. His arc, his <laughs> lack of an arc was just bizarre. It was like, oh, okay, he's going to be like a tech billionaire who learns he has a family in this group of vigilantes. No. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing he quote unquote learned was that uh, it's okay to give people real names. I think that's what he came to. But um, what was his deal with the hairy guy and the blonde having sex? Because he was like, well, did you fuck or did you make love? And she's like, well, we, we fucked. He means like. No, I know. I know you... what he means. What's his damage with that? Like, are they not allowed to fall in love with each other? Like, what what are the rules with Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, I guess so. Or is he in love with the blonde? I thought maybe he had a thing for her. Mm-hmm. But that never gets explored. Apparently, he's still pining over a one night stand with the bartender from three years ago but also won't go talk to her well he's dead remember (laughs) right exactly like if he's dead then that makes sense but if he's alive it does not make sense it makes no sense this movie's incomprehensible (laughs) because if he is alive why doesn't he just go talk to her or have sex with her again also i'm sorry you bequeath your fortune 
again, at a bank where God knows what name it's under to your son, just the words, your son, my son, you don't know his name. You don't know anything about him. How would anyone know that's your kid? <laughs> You'd think he'd at least leave the bartender's name. Cause like, that's the mother of right, you could say, like, this person's son. She can decide what to do with that. <laughs> yeah. It's just so flimsy. And also that scene where he like pushes his face up between the grates of the, <laughs> the cool yard. I forgot what movie we were talking about. Like that room, like creepy, gross, stranger danger. Like don't <laughs> adult men, please don't stick your faces between the grates oh. of a playground and cry and stare at a child. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Yeah. Remember when you were walking in the park super early that one time? Yes. And there was that creepy guy who was like not doing the things single men in parks creepy. should do. He was just walking too slow and staring at us and creepy. And we tried to let him pass us and then he kind of didn't pass us. Yeah. Walk briskly in parks and don't, again, yeah, don't stare at children at a playground. Oh my God. What does this kid think is happening? This man's just crying and staring at him. He should be screaming. Help. Right. Mommy, look. Help <laughs> a ghost. Me. A ghost is here. Again, like it just doesn't make any sense. I also didn't care about any of those people. Like well, you, you're not meant to. We get no backstory, no motivation from either woman at all. We don't know why they've like killed themselves off. If they have, we don't know if they fake their own deaths, even. We don't know if they've just run away from their lives and there are people hunting for them and trying to trace their credit cards and you know, for good or bad. We don't know what's happening at all with them or their lives. So we don't care. And it's the same with the guys too. Like I just didn't care. Oh, can we talk about the way water worked in this film? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which scene? <laughs> I'd like to talk about the pool, the waterfall that happened, the tsunami that happened when a small roof pool was broken and then floods and floods and floods of water poured down a skyscraper for like an hour. But like they poke the smallest hole in the in the pool it also becomes like a way for this guy to breathe i didn't get that either like that's how not how water works breathe. water would go out the hole we know this water would be pouring out that little hole and actually probably the pressure of it falling from a skyscraper that height would maybe hurt someone very badly on the ground it definitely make grooves in the pavement and then the rest of the pool which is a small 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 pool threatens to drown like <laughs> 30 people in there <laughs> pours out of this skyscraper like like a tsunami like the like the water of the ocean like the other thing is that you know if we just sort of forget the the water going out the hole and going down because of gravity trying to breathe through shattered glass well it doesn't there's no way the water would go out air doesn't go in i don't know how he breathed he didn't yeah (laughs) sidiotic or how he ran down the face of a building in the beginning Oh yeah, <laughs> our sky monkey or whatever sky, sky monkey sky, <laughs> sky climber. Oh, you're thinking like a flying squirrel, aren't you? Or like a <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's that's what he was supposed to be. There was also a scene I have to tell you that I caught as one of our numerous civilian death scenes where like they're driving through. I think it's in Florence. They're driving through the museum, and the civilian oh, yeah. like tries to get out of the way, but instead of just like tossing themselves out, they do a full somersault. Oh yeah! And then when they're like, he's like hitting all the artwork. Raymond's like, not David, not the statue of David, and he's like, oh, like talks about his penis, and it was just oh, just like dumb shit. And then Dave Franco gets impaled. Really gross. Also, I'm like, 
this feels like the end of a different action movie. That whole opening 30 minutes flashback, which you should never do a 30 minute flashback to open your film. I mean, I was going to say that the thing that we've noticed about all these teasers is that they do one of two things. They either establish that our hero, and we need to know who the hero is, establish the hero and the team are really good at their jobs or they have messed up big time. Or here's the problem that we're going to be pursuing. And here's how if we messed it up in this thing, we're going to fix it in the parallel scene at the climax. I feel like this, I mean, you can't even call it like a 30 minute teaser, but this first act of the film doesn't accomplish any of that. I don't know if Ryan Reynolds is as good as his job. I don't know who's chasing them. I don't know what they're running from or why they're running. Like it's, it's never explained. So we never know if they're doing a good job or a bad job. We just know that the blonde is bleeding and they're making all kinds of squirting noises about it Mm -hmm. and complaining about the blood. They have someone's eyeball that's rolling around on the ground and dangling from their hands. And that's about it. And that Dave Franco dies. The scene doesn't function to give us backstory or to establish if these people are good or bad at their jobs or to set up a problem that's going to follow us in the movie. Or to establish that any of these people care about each other. No, they don't seem to. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is, I mean, not Ryan Reynolds, but like everybody else is sort of sad about Six's death, about the Dave Franco's death. But it's like, I actually thought that when Dave Franco died, I was like, oh, the title is Six Underground. It's going to be everybody dying except for Ryan Reynolds. He's going to be like the last man standing. Oh, and then we have to go to Afghanistan. Right. That was a really long scene too. And it was was a really long scene. I'm like, wait, what movie are we in now? And I had no idea where this was taking place in time before or after he turned into a ghost or before or after the last 30 minutes. I really didn't know because we see this man kill himself. And I'm like, oh wait, are we in, we're in a brand new character's flashbacks? Yeah. We don't even get the women. No, but but we're, we're meeting a new character and immediately in his war memories. I thought that was so strange. Like they don't even get the time to meet him. We just immediately go back to like, here's his trauma. And also he's going to meet with Ryan Reynolds and then he's going to kill himself. And I wrote, is this a supernatural movie or what? I'm so confused. I have a lot of notes where it says, this movie is so long. This movie is, I think it says boring. And then we get, I wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid in Cursus. Actually got pretty good. I'm still working on some of my my loops. Yeah, I mean, your handwriting is very pretty. Um, Oh, thank you. Every other line. And then there's Ryan Reynolds. Is he alive or dead? Ryan's recruiting the nameless vet guy who kills himself. Oh, also when he called their headquarters, the haunted house, and he said, but it's like the Batcave. God, this is so lame. Again, it's meant for 14-year-olds hopped up on Red Bull. It felt like the old guard. Which one did you tolerate more? I mean, I feel like the old guard is a better film. At least it, at least I understood the order of events. In that film, they really didn't explain why they were undead or not or how that worked. But in this movie, I had more questions. I wrote down, they eat, they can see the ghosts. The live guy can see the other ghosts. What are the rules for the ghosts? What can they do? What can they not do? At least like in the old guard, I kind of had an idea. What about you? Oh yeah. Old guard is far superior, which is funny because when we talked through it, I was like, oh my God, this movie, but watching this movie, it's like, it makes you long for a narrative structure that you understand with established rules. And like, there are reasons why stories are told in a certain way. Yeah. Well, and at least with the old guard, which is a very similar movie in almost every way mm-hmm. they have a motivation for being vigilante peoples even though it's very flimsy but they like they were trying to make the world a better place overall what's ryan reynolds motivation for being a vigilante action leader billionaire tech guy 
he gets caught up in a raid at a refugee camp and decides he's going to take out the dictator. Okay, so that also happened in the past. Yes. Yeah, that was a past thing. Do you think he faked his own death or ran away from his life? If he's not if he's not an undead ghost. The other two options. Do you think he faked his own death or do you think he just ran away from his life and everyone assumes he's missing? He's either dead or missing. I don't know. Because it actually would make sense if he is the only actual ghost. That's the only thing that would make sense because also how did he get himself out of that plane crash that he engineered to kill himself? I think I saw him doing the hatch, you know, with the parachute. Oh, you're right. So then he faked his own death. Then he let the plane yeah. crash on purpose and let people yeah. believe he had died in it, but also not search for his bones. But also surely he had to have told like his most trusted accountant who he's paying a ton of money and he probably told her and he was like, hey, listen, I'm going to be pretend dead. You just route all my money to the Cayman Islands. Exactly, because he's and... still using his dumb money and he's opening up yeah. bank accounts and safety deposit boxes with it. So someone would definitely be like, hey, like looks like someone's using the credit cards of a dead man. We should investigate that. Right. It's I mean, a billionaire. And also all that money now belongs to the government because he didn't bequeath it to anyone. But then also, yeah. okay, here's another question for you. If they're not real ghosts, whose body do they bury at Arlington Cemetery? Because a lot of people watched him jump off that boat and kill himself. Mm -hmm. So whose body did they put in that coffin? Yeah, I thought so too. Also, he was on a ferry. That's like not a very high (laughs) boat. I mean, not to get super grim, but it's not like he was jumping off a bridge. No, it's not. Like it didn't look like it that it didn't look like it could kill him that bad. But then I'm like, okay, we're at his funeral, so he's dead. He just what? jumped off and swam to shore. 100% people are jumping after him, number one. Number two, what do his parents think? Is in that coffin that they totally saw at a morgue and at a wake and at the funeral home. How many times can you die? We'll be right back with more Six Underground. Is that a ghost? No, it's just Ryan Reynolds. We're back. That really highlights one of the biggest problems I have with this movie. Which is, well, because I really like in like a heist movie or just like a general action movie where we get to see them planning and using their skill sets. And like, I understand the plan and what's going down and like right, why right. this is important. We didn't understand how they fake their own deaths. We never saw them planning any of their like heist stunts. No. It was just like, okay, now we're going here and we're doing this and now we're going here. And now I've got like, I'm procuring a boat for us. And there's like one mention of a budget, like when they get the, oh, that was the other thing. In the action movie comedy version of this, it's like um, the movie Spy, where it's like sort of meta and making fun of the genre. And that's kind of what this wanted to be. Like the thing with the magnets felt like a Fast and Furious reference. Yeah, that felt like a joke. Yeah, the thing with the car felt like a throwback to Italian job. What thing with the car? The specific type of car that they use. Um... Oh, the Alfa Alpha Romeo? No, the one where the one at the end where they're like, oh, we wanted to do the fur like he blew all the budget on the Ferrari. So we've got um, all these Mini Coopers, even like the quip about the music felt mm-hmm. very self-aware and totally mm-hmm. at odds with the rest of the movie. But my point yeah. remains, which is that like I never saw them planning anything. I didn't understand it. No, you're right. You're totally right. We didn't see them planning anything and didn't make any sense at any point. And you're right. Like it was there were some strange attempts at comedy that didn't land. Oh, there was one line in here that I loved. I don't know if you caught it. You're going to have to tell me. It's the the hairy guy, uh, the assassin. After mm-hmm. he takes the woman's badge, he goes, badges, we don't need no stinking badges. And that's from True Beverly Hills. Yes, yes. I knew I recognized that. <laughs> it made me so happy. I'm like, right. Yeah, there's also a weird thing about, I mean, Ryan Reynolds keeps saying like, ugh, millennials don't know these movies. I know. There's like two or three millennial jokes that don't make any sense. Yeah, they just, do you think that this movie suffers from the curse of like 
having been filmed at different times or written pre-2015? No. It just feels like there's like, you know, maybe that was a Michael Bay note. Like, let's add some jokes about millennials. Right. Like, it just feels really like shoved in there. It doesn't add anything. Also, the scene where Ryan Reynolds hooks up with the bartender, he was like, what is happening? And it was like an almost sex scene. It was kind of a sex scene. But they're in like the world's most beautiful hotel room that's also like a castle. I know. That came out of nowhere where he was like, came out of nowhere. And then it was like, like, wait, what? He's making eyes at the bartender. And then he's like having sex with her and they're waking up together. And it's all like amazing. And they're like in love somehow. And I'm like, doesn't he have to worry about the dictator? (laughs) But I guess he wasn't on the mission yet because the timeline is so confusing. Like they really did a poor job. And also flashbacks shouldn't be 30 minutes. No, that's a waste. You're doing it wrong if it's 30 minutes. You're doing it completely wrong. And also there's no way to tell when things are happening or why we were watching them. Like, I think it's a cheap trick. So they probably shouldn't have done this, but like it might've helped me keep track of what was in the past, which is like, changing the color tone in, in flashbacks sometimes films will do that i mean i'm not a big fan of it but it might have helped here because we just needed something i mean the pacing of this movie t- in its entirety was wrong so i think what would have helped is to keep all the flashbacks in the first 30 minutes of this movie two-thirds of the movie we still had flashbacks oh we're still doing flashbacks we're still getting like only the men's motivations again <laughs> and we're getting like random we're getting a whole scene between the dictator and his brother I don't care about the dictator and his brother. I'm like, uh, but then again, I don't care about Ryan Reynolds and his friends. And they're not even friends. They're not friendly. They are not. No, it's so it's a little funny. I was watching it in the living room and my aunt and uncle were there too. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry to be watching this movie. Cause it's like, it's so violent. But I was like, there's a little bit of cursing. And my aunt was like, I think I've heard those words before. It's okay. <laughs> but at some point I was just like laughing at the music and yeah, my aunt was like, oh yeah, well, Ryan Reynolds is nice to look at. And I was like, that is not going to save this movie for me. (laughs) It's not enough. And he didn't take off his shirt or anything. I know. We had no like ripped Brian moment like we did in Gray Men. Because if we had that, that might have helped. But it didn't happen like that. Maybe. I was so mad at this movie that even if they had thrown that in, I think I would have just been like way too irritated. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry. You have a one night stand with this woman. And you keep pictures of her in your plane and then you kill yourself? If his people find this plane and they go, okay, he's dead and he's either killed himself or had an accident. Who's this girl in these pictures? Maybe we should try and contact her and tell her that he's dead and like, you know, give her some money because yeah. clearly he was obsessed with her to have these strange pictures of her in his plane. Where did he get her headshot? Do you think, I mean, the plane crashed from pretty substantial height. Do you think any of those pictures would remain or they'd be like charred? There'd be like a half burned one, like the Terminator picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Sarah Connor. It'd be like burned on the side, but you'd still see it. The violence in this movie was, I mean, we have watched all three John Wick movies <laughs> yeah. so far. And I still keep going back to that series because something about the bureaucracy really like. <laughs> you really you really love it. The red, tape, the red tape just gets rid off. It's like, yeah. give, me that, red... give me that structure. Give me the uh, adjudicator again. Oh, your favorite yeah. person. Oh, yeah. Tell me it's deconsecrated. You know, I'm disavowed. Oh, yeah. The violence in this movie made there. It wasn't it wasn't creative. It was like really grotesque. The only scene I really liked was when the blonde girl walks into the and I didn't even like it, but I was like, okay, this is actually pretty good. She like walks into the yard where her hairy lover man is like almost about to be killed by the the guys 
and it like springs into action from there and that felt like a good action movie scene but everything else was just ugh. i agree and they they went for like cheap gross out moments a lot like i said with like the blood spurting and weird like squelchy noises and like gross out shit also i didn't end up with the feeling that like ryan reynolds is this great action star either i didn't feel like he was fighting people in a way where i'm like oh wow like that's cool or even like a jason statham like okay at least he's good at fighting like i didn't feel like yeah. he was good at fighting i felt like he was good at ordering people around with his money he's good at being ryan reynolds and like trying to do some quippy sort of sarcastic thing if elon musk went missing and there was a plane that crashed what do you think would happen to his money something it wouldn't just stay in his dead bank accounts for him to use posthumously Oh, yeah. And the government would be on it. The government would keep track of that money and take it off. Even though he's giving some money to whoever he bequeaths it to, the government's still taking a big chunk of it. So wouldn't the government be going after our Ryan Reynolds billionaire's tax estate money? Yes. And even the line about how he has all this technology, which, again, actually, I thought Old Guard could have used, but he had the line about, like, all his technology is covering identities and tracks yeah, he has to have somebody working on the inside for him. Right. He has to explain, I actually invented all the software that does facial recognition and tracking stuff. And that's why when I faked my own death, I had my best friend Chewbacca behind the computers click in to delete my face every time it comes up. Because he's not wearing a disguise. He doesn't even have the face mask technology from Mission Impossible. He doesn't even have a prosthetic nose on the way that the hairy guy does later. Also, I couldn't keep the faces separate of any of these characters, especially the women. Like the scene where the hairy guy is like ha- about to have sex with the blonde woman. It looked like it was the brunette woman. I thought the same thing. I yeah. was like, oh, he's going to sleep with the doctor. Cool. And then she takes off her hair and it's the blonde woman. I'm like, oh, he's going to sleep with the blonde woman. Okay. I also thought that because I couldn't tell people apart, also didn't get any of the backstory. I thought that Ryan Reynolds was sleeping with um, the doctor when oh. he's sleeping with the bartender. Right, right. No, me or- too. I was, I thought the bartender was the doctor for the longest time too, until I figured yeah. out they were separate. But I'm like, oh, that's, that's the doctor. Cause they never give us a moment right. to like land on any face too long. Or to understand it's a different time. Right. We didn't understand. Was, I thought it was, I thought it was the doctor too. Yeah. Cause I was also like, oh, great. Here's our like action movie gala scene. And then Ryan Reynolds is not attracted to the blonde, but he's like, creating rules around her relationships right it seems sort of opposite to his rule of like we're gonna die so let's live while we can i don't understand why any of these people would like band together to support ryan reynolds vigilante mission like none of these people are indebted to him or feel particularly like close to him emotionally or have a shared history so why why are any of these people like I'm going to give my life for this cause with you running the show instead of my government or someone like I trust as an authority figure. Do you think, so like my very flimsy answer would be for two of them and like Corey Hawkins is like wanted to, he's, he's the army vet. So like he wanted to like be able to save his men and he couldn't. So like whatever. Um, did you think Harry Guy killed the little girl when we get his flashback? No. Did you? So, no, I didn't. But I was going to say, like, that would be a motivation for him. Like, if he realized he did this awful thing. Oh, no. And- I don't think he killed the little girl. I think he, like, lied to her. Then how-, he saw. then how did Ryan Reynolds get him on this team? 
I don't know. How did he get the blonde on this team? How to get the doctor on this team? Why did she stop doctoring? Right. And decide to start doing vigilante missions. Was she a doctor in the refugee camp? We don't know. I didn't. I, if I saw a brunette, I'm sure I thought it was her. (laughs) They're all her. (laughs) They're all her. I am her. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and the bad guys going to each other. Here are the chemical weapons that you wanted. It's like, you're not even going to try and obscure this even a little bit. And they're like, oh yeah, here are the, like, here's our weapons. (laughs) This movie is a mess in the worst way. Oh, speaking of gross, do you remember the part where a guy gets a zit popped by a bullet through his face? Yes, I do. I really wish I'd forgotten that. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a separate, sorry to remind you, but for our audience, there was a separate squirt of pus from the zit. And then there was the blood splatter. They made sure to like have both. My aunt and uncle are going to be like, I just don't know if friends are doing all right. Like she's watching all these movies. I know you're watching them for the podcast though. Oh, also, okay. So the dictator, what'd you think of the scene where the dictator shoves those guys off his own roof? I never really felt like he was all that scary as a villain. He's just kind of there. Oh, I, I mean, agree. Kind of a smart move though. Uh, yeah, it was. I think it was smart, but it was also very stupid to shove men off the roof of your building that's very visible because it's just going to be a lot of cleanup i know and also you probably took out more civilians on the way down definitely took out more civilians although also like the splat of those guys is going to get blood on everything and body parts yeah and there's just like people walking around and then you have, may have to explain it right i mean down. the thing about dictators is that they always have a reason right they'll say like, like oh the guy got up. sick or like oh you know we don't know but that's pretty irrefutable and then yeah. it was an hour and we were getting backstory about some of the other guys too are getting like the Skywalker backstory, which was like two seconds and didn't make any sense to me. And well, the thing is, none of these backstories really came back. Like Harry Guy was never no. offered an option to like save a child or not, you know, not right. shoot or, a child. Or make his mom proud. Never had that option. Yeah. Skywalker is never, I just don't know his purpose. Like, I mean, the only one who sort of gets any sort of like satisfaction from his flashback is the vet who gets to call the shots and save Skywalker, supposedly. Yeah. But that's it. This is where I'm starting to realize maybe this isn't happening the way I think it is. <laughs> Wait, are they ghosts or metaphors? So weird. I just admire your dedication to like getting to the root of this. I mean, it's just a shock of a movie that really had me like, Two thirds being like, this is a supernatural film. They're doing very poorly at, at explaining. Yeah. And then I have problems with the face recognition. They broke into the television factory. Well, and the other thing is like breaking into the television factory <laughs> felt really, or to the, sorry, the broadcast place. No, I called it a television factory. That's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. I liked it. I like it. Again, it just feels so grossly insensitive to the next footage of the refugee camps and yeah. the dead children. And also this horrible Rise Up video that oh they Oh my made. God, that's that was a song that I thought was a Delta Ray song. No, Bishop Briggs. So same like musical category. Oh, really? But, yeah, it sounded like it yeah. to me. And I'm playing that stupid song and I'm like, oh my God. I wrote this footage is so upsetting. These goon ghosts, which is what I started calling them. Goon ghosts don't care about fucking up this whole country they killed so many people oh what do you think of the big magnet scene on the yacht when they when they start having titanic problems (laughs) yeah it was dumb how here's a question for you why did the magnets affect everyone else except for them because they they were wearing vests that were magnet repellent (laughs) Uh uh-huh like because they make a very special point of like putting on these vests so that's the only reason i can see that they're not affected 
Okay. And I do remember the, the guns are like plastic, but still that was so silly. I guess no one's wearing a watch or like anything. Cause you would see people right. getting dragged by their watches. I know. I know. <laughs> I kept on pausing this movie and being like, are you kidding me? I still have an hour left. Oh, I know. I still have 45 minutes. And then, then there's the baby reveal. <laughs> which we talked about where he's sticking his face through the grates, but that was weird. What did you think of him having a secret baby? Oh, I hated it. And usually like if it's set up well, I am a sucker for that trope. I love it. It can be really heartwarming and sweet. It was not in this movie. I hated it. And like, there's nothing else to support it. No, I'll go so far as to say too. And this is something maybe you'll feel differently about. And it's, it's because I read a review, but I don't know if I like the secret. uh Oh, spoiler alert for Wakanda forever. I did not like the secret baby reveal for Wakanda forever, especially that they named it T'Challa. So it kind of resets, like someone made this argument and I was like, oh, that makes sense. It resets the timeline in a way that there could be another, they said they wouldn't recast Chad McBoseman, but now they've created a timeline where there's a direct heir to the throne. Who's also called T'Challa. Who's going to be a young black boy who will, they're recast, they're recasting it. Like they gave themselves a way to have another black Panther, just like the Chadwick Boseman one called the same thing who's going to come for shiri's throne yeah i don't remember what i said about it when we watched the movie but i i feel the same way i also think it was stupid did you see the thor movie no your spoiler warning for thor love and thunder also so if you haven't watched that you may want to fast forward uh well speaking of new babies he has a baby (laughs) like a teenage daughter by the end And we don't get to see her grow okay. up or do any, we don't see any of it. And she's like a Thor too or whatever, I guess. I guess. I don't know. She's got her own thing. They kill Natalie Portman too. What? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to watch it. It got terrible reviews and I like love Thor Ragnarok so much. I, I think you should watch it. it because I want to talk about it with you because I have a problem. I have a couple problems with that. Of course they kill off Natalie Portman because it's like, oh, I hate that. I hate that. It's really fucked up because the whole plot was like, oh, she's dying of cancer and like her last wishes to be a Thor basically or like to not be dying of cancer so they make her into a Thor and so she's half the time like in her hospital bed dying and the other half the time like fighting crime with Thor and then she dies part of the reason I love the first Thor movie is because of Natalie Portman and like their relationship and how I agree she's She's so so great in that and it's so fun it's good and so humanizing to see their relationship it's so exciting and these movies are so sexless too it's like nice to have it a little bit of something. I know. I know. You got to give us something. Not a secret baby. That's not maybe what we what want. Happens. We don't want we a want secret what baby. We to get that secret baby. Yeah, we want a little romance. <laughs> maybe yeah. a sex scene, but not like the one in the Eternals. That was so boring. Oh, God. No, what I want is like Mission Impossible 2. Yeah. Oh, here's a question. At the end, the vet throws his gun dramatically into the water, but keeps one bullet and giggles at it. What was that about what does that mean i don't know i don't know what was happening that scene i didn't get the symbolism if it was meant to be like he's released from the guilt of watching his like squadron di- like die i didn't know and i didn't care at that point i thought maybe it was like a suicide thing because he was gonna kill himself before ryan reynolds recruited him i think that's a really generous read rebecca thanks <laughs> <laughs> and then in in this ending monologue so stupid he goes I don't actually know what happens when we die. Like, I get it. I get your own fucking ghost now. You ruined this movie. But why is he like, why does he start the movie saying, I know what happens when we die? And he ends the movie saying, I don't know what happens when we die. So he's unlearned. His hero's journey is that he's unlearned something. 
his hero's journey is that he's gone from being super jaded, although we have no reason why, because we didn't get his flashback. We don't know. Um, to thinking that he doesn't need a family, he doesn't need to create a family, he doesn't even need to live, to realizing he's part of a team. And then he says um, in his monologue, which I didn't understand, and maybe you understood, he said, I am one, but not done. What does that mean? Like, I understand one and done. But what does it mean for him to say, I am one, but not done? I think what, so this is like my script analysis here. I think they're taking that phrase one and done yeah. and trying to do some sort of clever, punny thing with the fact that he calls himself, like he is one. Out oh, of like their I didn't get that. <laughs> That's stupid. Because he's number <laughs> one. Oh, no. I am yeah. one, but not done. Ew. All right. I can't talk about this movie anymore. Rebecca, what trash can fire rating would you give this? It's a one for me. It's a one. And this is a terrible movie. And I did, just like you, go into it with high hopes. Based on the the poster, I'm like, I'm going to love this. It's Ryan Reynolds. It's like a team of action friends, I guess. And I'm like, oh, this is totally up my alley. And I didn't like it at all. (laughs) And it was incomprehensible. And the ghost thing really fucked me, so... It's a one for me. What about you? Yeah, I didn't think it was possible to go lower than Den of Thieves, but dang, we are going lower. It, I'm giving this a one. So that brings us to the end of Six Underground. We would like to bury this movie, Six Feet Underground. <laughs> uh, How about 12? There you go. Yeah, so it can't pop back up undead, as it were. But next week, we'll be back with the very first in the Lethal Weapon series, Lethal Weapon. Full disclosure, Wynn and I have watched this film before. We watched it in an earlier iteration of this podcast that's unreleased. But we're really excited to revisit it with new fresh eyes and approach it anew. I need a palate cleanser after these duds. I know. Me too. Me too. I'm excited to see our our friends. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. You can do that every time you listen. And a review. A written review. So you do that by clicking on our show title or the icon for our show, the artwork, and then you scroll all the way down to where there's reviews. You'll see a handful there, which we're very grateful for. But if you've been listening and enjoying this, what we need from you is to leave us a review. It means a lot. and It'll help other people find our podcast. Otherwise, if you have a movie recommendation, you can send it to ladiesgetaction at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at ladiesgetaction. Rebecca, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Rebecca Ringley Casting. And Rin, where can people find you? You can also find me on social media at Rin Olson. That's R-I-N-O-L-S-S-O-N. Or at Renaissance Media. Until next time, get, get some, some action. action.